What's up, guys? It's Kevin and Steve, founders of Bombers and Sleeves, a clothing and lifestyle brand dedicated to artists, writers, musicians, anyone currently on a creative path, or anyone looking to start a creative journey of their own. Our goal with this company and our Bombcast is to encourage you to win the internal war of your creative pursuit. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, we sum it up in three words, and those three words are bomb your boundaries. Now, what does that mean? Well, let's think about it. What has more focused, intense, explosive energy than a bomb? Not that much fucking else. And so we use that as a metaphor to say that if you want your dreams to come true, if you want your creative vision to come through, you have to get intense, focused, and explosive. So now you know what that means. It's a slogan for the whole company. You'll see it on the website. You'll see it on the social media posts. So now you're in the know. You get it. And so with this Bombcast, we bring you guests that embody that bomb your boundaries mentality. And today's guest is no exception to that. She has a long list of badass shit that she's done, uh, the least of which uh, includes bombing her boundaries. So I'm going to hand it over to Steve to uh, introduce her, and we will get this underway. All right, what's up, everybody? So our amazing guest is a seven-string Viper electronic violinist, acoustic violinist, fiddler, Mandolin player, <laughs> guitar player, singer, songwriter, and recording artist. Holy she, shit. Ooh, wow. <laughs> what don't you do, girl? She can be seen touring all around the world performing styles, including pop, rock, and country. Ladies and gentlemen, it is our pleasure to bring you Cassandra Sotos. What's up, guys? What's up? Thank How's you for going? having me. No, thank you for being here. Yeah, this is you. awesome. Super, super fun uh, doing some research on you. We had met one time uh, a few years ago, but I know you and Steve kind of know each other a little bit more. Uh, so I was doing some brushing up, went over to uh, CassandraSotos.com and oh kind of read the <laughs> Definitely saw the, uh, the seven-string Viper, the uh, Viper, which is badass. I can't think of a, a better fucking intro. That would make me feel super cool. <laughs> That's great. Um, so, so currently we'll kind of, we'll kind of slow this down and go back to, um, you know, when, how you first got introduced into music, all of that good stuff. Uh, but so currently you play with, with a, um, with a pops, is it pop star? I guess yeah, I, he's it's a hard. Pop star. I, I did pop star. Mm. Yeah. Ar- Arajit Singh. Is that how you pronounce it? I call him Arajit. Arajit. Arajit Singh. Arajit. Arajit. Yeah. So I had never heard of him until today, until I heard that, that you were playing with him. And so I went to YouTube as you do and saw that uh, MTV India performance of him in uh, 2018, which I noticed you were a part of. I was. Uh, which is awesome. That first song that he plays comes out of the gate. I I was floored. I had no idea what to expect, but it's wow. got that big like orchestral opening to it. And then it goes into almost like, like halfway through it after your part, um, it's got like a real syncopated, almost rush type feel between the sitar and the drums. And then you come back uh, into like this Coldplay feel. And then uh, I noticed Sotos has a close-up. Uh, <laughs> oh, about I'm a minute into it. Yeah, six and a half million views. I was like, boom, that's Dang. our that's our star right there at the uh, show today. She's a badass. Um, but it's like fucking 20 people on stage. How, how big is that band? 25. 25. There are 25 musicians on stage. That isn't, I saw like, so Jesus. on your close up, you have like this super focused look on your face. I'm like, is that because obviously you're in it and you're feeling it, but like, is your in ear mix just like a fucking circus? It's got to be crazy. <laughs> like, just trying the in ear mix. Yeah. It is like a, a little bit like a circus, but you know, we had it pretty dialed in by that point. For so sure. okay. I don't have every little thing in there. 
Gotcha. I take one of them out and I kind of listen to to the mains and see whenever my friends are playing their solos and stuff like that. I got a little bit of everything, but yeah, okay. you know, I take it out and kind of get the whole vibe. But when I'm into what I'm doing, I kind of got. I have a limited version of our show in yeah, my ears. Gotcha. Otherwise, what are you going to do? You can't. Yeah, 25 Absolutely. instruments going in at once. No. That is, that's like a monster head fuck. I mean, a beautiful head fuck. Don't get Think wrong. about this. There are around, I'm not sure more or less, but around 200 inputs to the board. Oh, my God. The, I the, bet. The front of house. It's just unbelievable. 200. That is such a, that's a massive production. Yeah. I can't think... Of a of a current pop uh, band that has that big of an entourage with them. Well, I mean, I'm I'm sure there is, but that's that's amazing, and that's just that's just baseline, right? You guys always travel with that many people. Yeah, yeah. Holy shit. yeah. So, uh, God, that's crazy. He um, obviously is a major star over there. What would you What would you compare him to, like celebrity wise? Here, see the like Michael Jackson of yeah. India. Yeah. Well, the the coolest thing about playing with him and uh being a part of this this that whole experience, not, I'm sorry. I take that back. It's not the coolest thing. One of the things <laughs> yeah. the coolest thing is definitely the music and the people, but um he is the biggest Bollywood and or pop star in Hindi music history. Period. Wow. P- wow. And he's in his prime. Okay. Is that due to like record sales and like just I mean I think everything, all everything. of the above, like movies, record uh, movies, oh, shit, downloads. He does movies. Well, so he that's that's too. the way that the the Bollywood industry works. So he's okay. a playback singer in Bollywood films, and that's where their that's pop what stars playback come from. Means. Okay, okay, okay. Got yeah. It. So what they call their independent music is anything that's not in the film industry. Mm-hmm. That's like to us, independent music means not signed or indie label or whatever. Right. To them, it means non-film. Oh. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So he is a playback. I mean, he does other music too, but 99% of it or whatever is is uh, Bollywood film music. Nice. And it's really interesting because it's like the music propels the films and the film propels the music. It's, it's a... Nothing, it's nothing like anything we have here for sure. Wow, yeah, yeah that's a completely different model on that. Okay, yeah. that makes a lot of sense because, yeah, I tried to do a little brief research on him and I, I saw the playback thing and like how, um, how his whole kind of career uh, was jump started. And so that makes a lot more sense. Yeah, because I was like, why I didn't get the movie connection like that? Yeah, that's how that's like just the format of their industry. And so he's like, you know, it's kind of like playing with the Beatles or Elvis or something, even though so it's hard for us to describe because that's like in our minds right now, a, a legacy or whatever, sure. you know, classic act or whatever, because it, he's in his prime though. So I, I don't know. He's got, he's got the love song thing going on too. So we'll be like, at one point people were calling him like the Ed Sheeran of India or like something like that. Yeah. But okay. to me, the level of, of impact and fame and like the way that he's like really made a mark in the industry is, more attuned to like Elvis or the Beatles or something like that. Gotcha. Wow. So he's really like setting, like breaking some ground over totally. there for the future of. Totally. Uh, that's wow. God, that's fucking cool. That's, that must be like, amazing to like be a part of. Yeah. Holy shit. I mean, are we talking like, are they like stadium shows or like um, what's the, the venues? Uh, cr- well, what's one of the interesting thing, one of the interesting things about it is that uh, the Indian population around the world. Uh, follows this industry too. 
Oh. So, you know, like maybe some like couple generations later, Indian Americans, they're not really maybe watching and, and listening that much, but pretty much around the world they are. And mm-hmm. anybody who's not been here that long in the U.S. is also, even young people our age and stuff, um, or like one or two generations past immigration or whatever. Yeah. Um, so he can tour anywhere in the world that there's a significant Indian population. Wow. And it's like, we just did a U.S. tour in uh, a- all of April, 12 cities. It was like nearly sold out, if not sold out. And we were playing like five to 10 to 12,000 seats. Oh, that's in the weird. U.S. That's huge. Yeah. And yeah. in India, it's anywhere between ten and 40,000. Mm. Okay. 40, I got to ask. Thousand. Do you have like, was there like a place that just stuck out for you? Like one show that was just like, oh my God, this is, this is crazy. Yeah. There's the, the biggest show that we, we do is, <clears throat> is in a city in India called Ahmedabad. Um, I'm not saying it like totally properly. Ahmedabad. Yeah. Uh, that's 40,000 people. And like I didn't, man. And so they, the first time we played there, I didn't know how big it was. Like I just was like on this tour, and I barely know where I am. Like half the time, right? (laughs) So, so I remember that day. I was like, ah, I don't really want to wear like you know my the pants that I brought for this show. Like I wonder if I can just wear these other ones. Like, oh, can I just wear my blue jeans tonight? Like we wear all black. And I just was like, I was just like wasn't feeling it. (laughs) I walked out on stage that night. I was like, what the fuck, man? Wow. <laughs> just, it's got to look like yeah. people as far as you can see. Yeah, totally. Yeah. In a, like, It's a cricket stadium. Oh, crazy. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, and they all have like, they got the lights, the armband lights thing. Yeah. It's just oh, like, visually it's so like fantasy dream thing. Doing that? Yeah, man. Insane. It's insane. Oh, my God. I just, and it was funny because I remember that day I just was like, oh, I just want to wear like my t-shirt tonight. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know I didn't know biggest. it was my first time being there. Yeah. And the other guys in the band who, who I'll, I'll explain more about why I was in this new part of the band as opposed to the, the core people who have been there for a couple years. Yeah. They know that that's like the biggest, most popular city. So they're like all mentally prepared, but of course they don't tell us anything. Right. right. <laughs> so like, why yeah. would I know that? Um, and it was wild. It was just really wild. And then the other one is that we played in Wembley Arena. Oh, yeah. Which is like, not, ooh. it's not Wembley Stadium. Oh, okay. Okay. Because that's like, Wembley Stadium is like 100,000. You know, like the, yeah. the Queen thing or whatever. Yeah. yeah Wembley Arena, though, yeah. is a, uh, it's Wembley. It's so Wembley, whatever. Regardless. Still a it's, Wembley. Yeah. It's Wembley. It's still family. Cool. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I mean, I was like, whoa, dude, I'm in Wembley. This is nuts. How big and then, is that? I, that's 12,000, yeah, I think. Still huge. Yeah. 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 It's, and then, you know, it's like he doesn't have like shows that are not well attended. Right. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so it's really cool. That's amazing. Well, damn. So I'd love to hear just like leading up to the path, how you got that gig in the first place. But even f- before that, um, I just want to hear your background on how you started playing electric violin, um, what your first instrument was, if it was not that, um, all that good history stuff, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So I, um, I've been playing the violin for almost my entire life. I started when I was four. And um, when I was three years old, I saw somebody, my parents dropped me off at a Pittsburgh symphony oh, day well. camp for kids to like eat crayons and stuff like that <laughs> um yeah and that's, i'm from pittsburgh so oh, okay. that, they took me they took me there and uh 
You knew that, Steve. I, I didn't know. I just had, I saw Steve the ask on to, air. Are Steelers about fan? To turn my Are you a Steelers fan? Off. Of course, I'm a Steelers fan. I hate and now my guts. mic is clipped. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll let you live. I'll let you live. Nobody's perfect. This podcast is never going to see the light of day. <laughs> Are you also a Penguins and Pirates fan? Though, I'm more of a I'm more of a football girl myself. Yeah, okay, but cool, I'm cool. yeah. Obviously, it's not my fault. We win everything. <laughs> okay. Okay. God did there's this. There's helping, and then there's hurting. God did this, not me. Okay. okay. All right. Um. So. You know, I saw somebody playing the violin when I was three years old, and I was like, I want to do that. Wow. And then I went home, and I told my mom, I want to play the violin. And she's like, oh, that's cool. Neato. Right. Like, <laughs> I wanted to do something else yesterday, you know? Right. But yeah. according to the, to the story from my parents, I asked every day for like a really long time for months or something i said i want to play the violin i never let it go yeah and uh, i lived out in the country so there wasn't like it wasn't if you live in you know in the city of pittsburgh there's like all the universities and teachers everywhere and whatever we Mm. didn't have like that and i was also three yeah (laughs) (laughs) not a lot of teachers will take a three-year-old although they should totally so so finally uh, my mom did find somebody in pittsburgh and i started taking lessons when i was four with a Suzuki method, um, which is, you know, uh, training by ear. It's classical, uh, it's classical style violin, but training by ear. Okay. So that's how I started on acoustic regular violin. And, uh, is that like one of the more intense methods of study? Um, you know, I don't know if I would say it's in, I don't know. Okay. I don't know how to answer that one Fair yet. Enough. Let me think about that one. Sure, sure. The good thing about it is I'm that it's, when it it's comes by to ear. Violin, so I don't <laughs> the cool thing about Suzuki, I mean, like Suzuki method has its uh, critics, okay. but uh, it's really, they will accept, I think even maybe two or three year old kids and you learn only by ear. They're not giving you music in the front, like uh, sitting in front of you. You really get like that connection with music and learning by ear, which is like basically made my life what it is that's amazing and you know later on i switched to regular classical studies i think if you're going to do regular classical studies they might not take you that young okay i'm not sure so that was your in with that yeah gotcha and i I learned i didn't learn how to read music until i was like eight or nine years old and i'm still just like not very good at it it's it's pretty much all by ear yeah that's how you do it for sure like i know how to do it yeah but i choose not to and unless you know i ha- i actually i'm not it's not one of my better skills sure. i can't sight read like some classical musicians do uh most classical musicians can do that i can't do that to save my life man yeah, yeah. hey paul mccartney and Jimi hendrix both couldn't read music yeah I get it. But, it doesn't yeah but if you can do it by ear you can almost i'm sure at this point you've learned how to kind of chart in your head and you can yeah. just figure it out that yeah. way for sure yeah. yeah yeah for sure so I started with that, and then when I was around eight years old, I got a little bored with, uh, you know, my studies or whatever it is, and uh, my mom took me to Mark O'Connor's fiddle camp in Nashville. Okay. Ooh. Yeah, so wow. that was like the big turning point in my life. Yeah. Um, And I went to that camp every year from like eight to 18, and you know, it's like six, seven days in Montgomery Bell State Park, just... 40 minutes outside of Nashville here. Yep. And there's teachers of all different styles. Um, like literally every different style. You go to a different class like every hour, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so that's how I kind of like got introduced to the alternative styles of music. And although I, I took classical lessons throughout high school privately, I was like really into other types of music starting from that point. Got it. Um, and that's where I met Mark Wood, who is uh, 
he's he's got a great story of his own, but he owns the company that makes a seven string electric violin called the Viper, which is what I play. Nice. So I, w- I met him when I was 11 and I turned into a rocker and, uh, you know, I didn't get a Viper until I was like 18 or 19 years old, but I just was literally obsessed with this man. Yeah. He wow. was, he was like one of the founding members of Trans-Siberian Orchestra okay, and he yep. invented this violin along with, um, a man, uh, named Joe Domjan who runs the shop. The, the like the master luthier of the of the company yeah and uh that changed my life too Dude, that's, that's where i got wow. introduced to that that's amazing yeah and if you haven't seen this thing it's like a it's a, like a flying v guitar except condensed down into a violin yeah version. oh yeah it's aggressive it looks like. look it's it really badass. aggressive it is it's, it's a little so too aggressive some for some tastes but <laughs> i don't care yeah i was looking so, i was looking I at pictures like because uh i was looking at like images of cassandra sodas yet yeah, not creepy but i was just like looking you know yeah. for stuff maybe to post or whatever and like the pictures with you in that thing i mean it's impossible not to look like a fucking badass <laughs> Like those things, totally. Those things are awesome. Yeah, yeah. I think that people probably think I'm going to beat them up most of the time. Totally, hey, you totally not, do. <laughs> we like it that way, though. You're like so when you're like when you're learning uh, all of this, like w- you know, what kind of music was going through your headphones at a time? Like when you were growing up, like was okay. it always like classical, or like did you no. get into the rock, or what was? Okay, so that's the cool thing. So um, I was also playing like fiddle music all alongside this. So um, I'm like blue, like bluegrass style, mm, like old. Like country, okay, gotcha. Like country, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here in Davidson County and play and claim to be a bluegrass musician, (laughs) maybe in like Pennsylvania or whatever. But no, you know what I'm saying. But um, I uh, I uh, have like a pretty strong attachment to like playing country fiddle kind of stuff, and also like the folk rock stuff, um, and hard rock too. And that's like that's due to being involved in the camp and meeting all the fiddle players and getting into that stuff. And uh, also due to my mom's musical taste. So my mom is like a classic rocker, like late 60s, 70s kind of person. And um, so we were always listening to oldies. And if we weren't listening to like the music that my mom bought for me on CD at camp, because that was like one week a year, that's all I had. Yeah. to learn about this stuff we had all these cds from the teachers if i was listening to that my mom was listening to like the oldie station which you know i guess the oldies now is like 2001 but at that time <laughs> sure, right, it was yeah. like the uh late 50s but 60s and 70s classic rock the good stuff yeah and so the, all of those influences combined really kind of shaped me into like the player that i am now And a cool thing about my mom, too, is, you know, she's my mom um, is a musically talented person. She never like became a professional musician or anything. She played the flute and she was like an excellent uh, flautist. Flautist. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 a flautist. And she's like a big, (laughs) a big music fan. She's seen all these people in concert that we would all just like die to see, you know. Nice. Um, But she encouraged me, for example, to listen to this piece of music whatever it was and try to play the way that the singer was playing play the way the singer sings nice that's so awesome. she so she would be like so she'd be like she loves janice joplin and she'd say can you learn to play this song for me play the melody no play it more the way she sings it so you can add in some distortion and made it a little grungier it's a that's it's that but it's it's different it's even more than that it's like the delivery thinking about like the emotion of the words of the song got it and breathing and really saying something even though you don't have the words 
Wow. That's not something that, yeah. I mean, I don't know if she meant to get me to do that when she was asking me to do that or she really just like wanted me to play the song for her, but that's what happened. That's what, what I got. What a great lesson to that learn. That is young. an amazing lesson. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's Super intense. Insightful. Yeah. It's, it changes things a lot because, you know, just in the, in the way that you approach what it is that you're playing and what you're trying to say with it. Yeah. So yeah, I'd love I'd love to hear more on that. So did you did you take that through like all different albums and try to match all different types of vocal stylings? Yeah, I yeah. did. I actually I played like I haven't done stuff like this in a while, but I I actually love I love playing the melody line of like really great classic songs. Okay. Which, you know, I don't know. People don't like do people like instrumental music? I don't really care, but whatever. Totally, yeah, I, I do. I dig it. I yeah. love. I love. Yeah, well, you were all musicians. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think people appreciate. They really it. They appreciate it. it. So I mean, like that's one of my favorite things to do is to like really soulfully play on violin an amazingly written and performed song by from from a singer originally. Yeah, man. I, I you know we were in Miami last year and we were at just some random seafood restaurant and some some guy had a violin and he was playing and I, it's a cheese ball song. It's actually a very beautiful song, but it was my heart will go on. And I I, I don't I know I know, but oh my god, did I get emotional? Really? Just oh the guy was ripping it. And, well, then he did it oh, good because you can just you could totally just play the notes. Sure. But if you play it with that that soul, if you play it with just that right type of energy, man, and he really did, he delivered it, and I was like, I got super emotional. It was crazy. And plus the violin, I'm a sucker for it anyway. Well, you know, the violin... Know me too. The violin is the exact same, give or take a few notes, range of the human voice. I did not know that. That makes a lot more sense, though. It's right there. Yeah. So it's like, all, it's like a mystical, magical thing whenever you're like... If somebody can play it well... And uh, be emotive like that, but you're not hearing the words. It like really makes things tingle in, in the heart and the brain, you yeah. know, because yeah. it's right there. The tone is so similar. Wow, I never thought of it like that before. That yeah. makes perfect sense because I just I was just thinking back to every time I've heard it. And I was like, yeah, that's that's spot on. Yeah. It's also one of those like. Um, I don't know if enmeshment is the right type of word, but it's one of those instruments that becomes a vehicle uh, for you. The sa- that's very unforgiving in the same way like a harmonica is, right? Yeah. Like when you first pick up a harmonica, it sounds like complete shit. It's very oh, simple. Dan. And yeah, then dude. same with violin too. Dude, it sounds so bad for but, so long. <laughs> yeah. So long, There's a hu- There's got to be a huge learning curve for that. Yeah. Yeah. Luckily, but, if you start early enough, you like... People always ask me, is the violin hard to learn? And my answer to that is nothing is hard to a four-year-old. Right. Like, you just are excited and you do shit. You, you figure know? it out. You're like, yeah. what? This is awesome, man. You know, fast forward like 10 years to a 14-year-old. You're like, this is hard. Yeah. You know, no. kids don't know. Yeah. There's no like, this is easy. This is hard. Yeah. You know, so it makes a big difference. Definitely. That's amazing that you got started young and that you knew that that's what you wanted to do so young. I didn't like, it was weird. Like I didn't definitely like have this concept of like, this is what I want to be or do. I just said, I want to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's great. I know. I (laughs) I mean, my parents didn't make me, people always ask me that. Did your parents, are your parents musicians? Did they make you play the violin? No. Um, They made me keep playing the violin when I was like, you know a little bit older than that like around that time that i went to that camp that's one of the reasons they took me to get me reinterested and it's a struggle when you're a teenager too 
shit does get hard, yeah. you know? And you want to go out and play with your friends and you want to, it doesn't sound great. And you're like, this sucks, man. I suck. This sounds yeah. like shit. Yeah. Like, mm. I want to go do something fun and easy. And I, I think that, you know, I wish that more parents would in- encourage their kids to stick it out through that stuff, at least till high school or after. Yeah. Let them really decide for it then. Yeah. Because it just, kids don't want to do stuff that sucks. Right. And There's very gonna, low and resilience it, in the teenage years. And it's going to suck for a minute. Yeah. And it's worth getting past that. What car- Yeah, what carried you through that? Well, you know, my, my parents were really, really supportive of me. Like, they, my mom was, like, not going to let me quit the violin. That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, my mom and dad were not going to let me quit. But um, I remember feeling like really special about playing like not that i felt like i was special but i had special feelings about playing i felt very identified with it mm-hmm. i got a lot of i got a lot of identity from it it was very much it was always very much me even if i was like having wavering emotions about it i always had like i always had faith in my violin and so i also remember at a very young age having you know feelings of success and achievement and you get some attention you get attention to you don't always like the you don't always like the attention but like the success and achievement that i wish that more kids got why i think that more kids should play instruments i'm gonna get on a soapbox for a minute and tell you a story no please (laughs) hop on preach baby preach (laughs) we cleaned it off for you come on you know so like i was probably eight years old i remember practicing this one song I had a, like, sorry, a living, like, one of the corners of my house was, like, just for me to practice in. I remember, like, it was yesterday being in this room, practicing the same fucking thing over and over and over and over. And I couldn't get it. It was so hard. It's called Etude. It's from, like, book two or three in Suzuki. Like, I remember, like, yesterday. And then all of a sudden, I got it. I had worked so hard. Like, however, I don't know how long it was because you're a kid. You don't can't pay attention to time i'm working and working and working and working and i got it and i was so happy that it finally clicked and it worked that i almost started crying and i ran into the other room to tell my mom that i finally got it and like the feeling of the like knowing at that young age of eight or whatever that you can work really hard at something and focus and know what it's like when it works is like a huge impact mentally when it comes to everything. School, music, friends, uh, work, anything. Just to know that yeah. amazing feeling that you're like almost brought to tears by the fact that it worked. No. Yeah. Man, I'm getting chills hearing that because I've had that exact same feel. We've all had that yeah. exact yeah. same feeling. Oh, yeah. yeah, and just that like it's hard to teach that discipline of perseverance when you haven't felt that before, but you just have to you just have to go through and feel it once and then that's no, all you right? Need. You know what it is. I remember yeah. it, man. And then you can't do it wrong after that point. No. You're like you're just like, Can I do that again? Yeah, I can. And that's like ingrained. Right. That's amazing. And, and like that's I think more kids should play instruments or whatever. Totally. I don't I, and and more Parents should make them keep playing them. Yeah. I've never met somebody who said that, yeah, I played the violin and I don't regret quitting. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I think it too, even parents with like, uh, you know, putting their kids in sports and they're like, yeah. You know, and then they, they're like, yeah, I don't want to do it. It's too hard. It's too hard. Well, you know, motherfucker, it's the hard that makes it great. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you could have quit the violin and totally. then you would never have played in, 40, 000, in front of 40,000 people. No. Okay. You never went to Wembley. 
Okay, but you sat there and you, you know, you you did it and you were disciplined and you kept that type of energy with you your whole life and that's what makes yeah. you great. I ca- I try to keep it. You know, it's like Yeah. I'm sure you guys have talked to other people in between your, yourself and this this bomb cast. That act is not like I don't want to make anybody think that I am just like pounding my chest like resilient and strong every second of every day. No, no totally. No. It's a process absolutely you know totally. we all want to sit right? back and chill by nature so it's a con- yeah it's, yeah, it's, it's a, a process yeah you got to put yourself in so okay so that's a fascinating question so how do you keep yourself sharp nowadays like do you put yourself in like challenging musical situations obviously the group you play with is super dynamic so that's a challenge within itself yeah but um or maybe not now because you've pretty much grown into the, the player well, that you are but maybe like no, After. there's always, okay. there's always room. Gotcha. I always want to be better. I don't get to, pre- I mean like, ugh, I'm home now, so I should be practicing violin more, but I practice other instruments now too. Um, but I kind of, I like, you asked me how I keep myself sharp. I don't know if yep. you mean like my resilience and like keeping my career moving forward or like literally my playing. Uh, literally you're playing in that literally particular my question. Playing. Yeah. Um, I need to work on that more. Okay. Because I work a lot. I play and work a lot. And it's not necessarily like focus time where I'm working on something new. Sure. It gets but that's hard. what I need to do. But whenever I... I'm like have a habit of writing stuff for myself to play that I can't actually play. <laughs> <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a challenge. Awesome. So yeah. That's great. It is a challenge. I have a habit of that. Like, And so I'll have to work out things like that. Um, but definitely the best way to become a better musician, like for sure and it's not my opinion it's the truth y'all yeah (laughs) (laughs) you have to play with people who are better than you Mm -hmm. hell yeah no that's very true like you just have to go out there and do it and do things that you you know maybe didn't think you could do before or go ahead and at least try a few new things definitely do not stop playing with people who are better than you and the coolest thing about being in Erigid's band is that it's like chock full of people who are just light years and lifetimes better than you right, <laughs> like, right. we got like some of the best in the world at whatever they're doing you know were they just like hand-picked from they from like symphonies from like where what are all their okay, backgrounds like, yeah in so, a nutshell? so what he did for this was it was an amazing format just like a dream team kind of format he has his core band of people who are they're living in india they're like full-time in in the indian music industry in bollywood and and Indian rock, whatever, uh, Indian people. And they're, they call the, they're called the core band. They call themselves the core band. They're always with him. They're like full-time people for your five, six years since the beginning. Um, and then every couple of years he does a new format. So previously he had a symphony plus it's like Arajit Singh with symphony and the core band, you know? And then this time he did Arajit Singh with world musicians and with the core band. Mm. So world musicians means an American fiddle player <laughs> is one <laughs> yeah. of them. So to us, it's, of course, it's not a world instrument. Um, to them, it's a world instrument. Totally. Right? Yeah. So I'm the, I am the American fiddle player. So we assembled 11 people from different countries representing different instruments. Um, and we had people from like literally the most world-renowned people in their, in their instrument to like street musicians that he had found. That's amazing. Man. Yeah. So we had violin, cello, um, violin, cello, 
uh, accordion, viola, uh, didgeridoo, artistic, uh, bagpipes and neigh, flute, like neigh flutes, yep. bagpipes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm like trying to envision the stage in my mind. Well, let's go back to this um, didgeridoo. Didgeridoo, yeah. I'm not familiar. Oh, you have to do, you have to like practice like circular breathing. It's like a long tube that goes like, whoa. Yeah. And you have to. It's it's Australian. Oh, is it really? Yeah. Yeah. The guy playing was German. I'm going to Google it. It's an outback instrument. Didgeridoo. You totally know what it is, man. Okay. Yeah. It's like they, yeah. Oh, that thing. Yeah, that thing. Mm -hmm. So wait, where was I? Flamenco guitar, canoon, didgeridoo, accordion, bagpipes, nay, me, hand pan, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 And um, I'm probably forgetting somebody that I care about a lot. Maybe that was it. Does, is, is, oh, and sitar. sitar. Yeah, yeah. sorry. And oh, man. And actually, Rashab <laughs> is a wow. bad motherfucker. That kid is a bad motherfucker. He's, he's got a so metal He's, he's so got a metal band. He's got a, an, a metal album come out, and he just uh, is signing or signed with Sumerian. Okay. You know, the label that has... Uh, animals as leaders oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. absolutely that's the kind of shit he plays on sitar no shit just Damn. odd time signatures just crazy just shit crazy he metal. lives in odd time signatures like, four is like is. just boring as shit to him i'm sure yeah. i can only count to four i'll leave that <laughs> right. to him wow yeah. I, I i love the sitar one of my favorite songs of all time is norwegian wood uh the whole rubber soul record for the beatles was just i mean heavily influenced by the sitar Love that instrument, man. I've yeah. actually never seen anyone play it live. I would love to see that. Yeah, whatever oh, that, that whatever that first song is. So like any like sitar, there's a big tabla. sitar solo in that. Yeah, we have so in the oh, and we also have classical percussion. Sorry, I was running out of. A, I forgot. <sighs> it's a lot. There's to keep 25 track of. people. That's a lot. So we've got yeah. Let's see. We've got four or five singers, uh, a string section, viola, viola uh, violin, cello accordion hand pan um synth all the synth stuff like the electronic triggering like edm whatever a drummer a classical percussionist a ethnic percussionist what do you call that ethnic percussion yeah yeah like tabla and like whatever and then um mandolin bazooki like uh ethnic stroke stuff yep uh another flute another flautist um indian hindustani flout or whatever and then hindustani i don't know if that's correct i'm showing my <laughs> somebody from india is gonna course. watch this or listen to this and be like that bitch, bitch what are you <laughs> bitch what are you saying <laughs> what are you even saying canoon flamenco guitar sitar piano keys bass drums two guitar players Wow. And then energy. So then, what are rehearsals like? Then, what's the writing process like? Because uh, none can't of you guys talk about this. Okay, it's just gonna go <laughs> we forever. We go to like we <laughs> the re- the process of rehearsing for this tour was like the craziest thing that's ever happened to me. And I <laughs> right. I can't like, complain about it in public. Yeah. It's nuts. Like we would go there, we would practice until seven or eight in the morning, and we got there at like four in the afternoon the day before. Wow, that it's is a three. Na- it's like a three-hour show. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm trying to iron out parts, and then That's- yeah, and the, actually, a really cool thing about it, like I was dead. I had jet lag. Like I was like literally yeah. somebody is gonna come and I might be dead. Like <laughs> I'm not sure. It just like went on and on and on. And I couldn't. I had just met everybody. I had just gotten to India for the first time. 
that will fuck you up on its own. Oh, I bet. And then I was like, oh my God, guys, it's seven in the morning. What's happening <laughs> to Holy my shit. body? Wow. But a cool thing about it is that, you know, he assembled these world musicians. They didn't send us any of the music before at all because he wanted us to like come together and yeah. come up with something. Okay. Organically that's, that's cool. It that it's awesome. Cool. It's awesome because I felt the whole time like the, the reason I was there was because he wanted, he actually wanted an American fiddle player, but he wanted me to be me doing that. Yeah. Not just like, Okay, here's like the stuff that you have to the stuff you have to play. Yeah, he like actually wanted. I wasn't playing a role; I was playing myself. Gotcha. That's awesome. Yeah. So, how were you introduced to him then? How how did this whole thing come about? Uh yeah. So, I uh, it sounds like it was an overnight success. It does <laughs> sound it was, like it, yeah. but it was. So you know, um, I've been in touch with a, a personal friend of mine. I'm actually a part of an organization called Women in Music that just started here in Nashville. We uh, have been active in New York for over like 35 years, like thousands of members, and we've in the last few years started branching out to other cities over the U.S. and across the world. Awesome. So I'm helping lead the Nashville chapter as of the last year. But I was I used to live in New York City. And while I was there, I was volunteering with WIM, Women in Music. And the former president of it was somebody who became a, a close personal friend of mine over the years, eight, nine years ago. Yeah. Um, she travels to New York, uh, sorry, to Nashville for business a couple times a year. And one of the times she was here, she brought a colleague of hers to see me play on Broadway at the stage on Broadway. Dun, dun, dun. Legendary. Yeah, legend, the legendary stage on Broadway. So This sounds good there. It sounds great there. I love it playing there. Yeah. The staff, really good. The staff have, is awesome. Staff is good. Have y'all been in there lately? Like, they've got... It, it's a totally different... Kind of, I mean, the, the lower stage is still the same, but they've got, like, two more floors. Yeah, it's nuts over there. It's crazy. Mm, yeah, everything everything in downtown Nashville is nuts. So, yeah. anyways... This so they person, check you out. Yeah. This per- person from Eng- uh, from London comes to see me play. We all hang out. It's awesome. Six months later, I get an email. Hey, um, I, I knew who he was because they work with him. So I had okay. heard of him before, um, uh, minorly, just a little bit. Uh, they're looking for a violin player. Uh, I recommended you. Is this something that you'd be interested in? Here's the tour dates. Um, it's a little short notice. You'd have to be there in five days. Wow. India in five yeah. days. Yeah. India and in I five was days like, to, to audition or to or go. Like, like you had it. Well, no. If you wanted it. No, I didn't have it. I, I like called and negotiated and sent video and gotcha, you know, gotcha. okay, the, okay, the con- okay, cool. confirmation and stuff like that. Yeah. But I think if they you- already find like if they want you, they've already found whatever it is about you online. I mean, everybody's online. Yeah. Right. You know. So they decide and then got it like that. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, uh, yeah, yes, I do. I want to go to, yeah, yeah, are you kidding me? Yeah. Yes. I want to go to India. It was an easy thing for me to answer. I was excited beyond belief and I really had no idea about anything i'd be getting into at all oh wow so you're yeah. you're, you're on the plane right and how long is the plane run dude too long right? dude it's too long so okay. basically 23 okay but so about how i got found for it like i said yeah. it sounds like an overnight success but literally that was like i don't know the 600th 
or 700th time I've played in downtown Nashville. And, you know, I was friends with them for like nine years. And like somewhere when I was like 12, I learned the fact that you need to put a good performance on everywhere you go all the time and be on point, blah, blah, blah. So it sounds like, oh, you got lucky and somebody saw you playing on Broadway. Well, not exactly. No. Not exactly. No, definitely not. Yeah. This this girl knowing what she wanted from the age of three. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> and right. fucking slogging it out is definitely not. Yeah. Uh, definitely not overnight. No. Okay. Well, awesome. Well, that, makes, uh, that makes a lot of sense. I cut, yeah. So you were saying like the the plane ride. No, so I was saying. From, the, yeah. from Nashville to, to Mumbai. Yeah. Counting, counting like getting to the airport like door to door it's about like 25 to 30 hours so one way like if you're just the flight time from newark to mumbai is 14 and a half there and 16 and a half back shit man what is your oh, reaction when you get out of the plane you're like well what? we're in india what, was, what's going through your mind it's so weird it's it's it seems like a lifetime ago and it also seems like yesterday yeah. i was so hyped and so excited but also frightened i don't know them at that point in time i don't know these people i know that people that i trust recommended me to it but i don't know them right it's literally the other side of the the world literally other side of the world by myself i had a little bit of communication stuff because issues because i didn't really understand what it was that i needed to bring Mm -hmm. like you know so just to clarify i didn't go in five days I said, no, I can't come in five days, but I can come in like 12. Okay. I, there, rehears- there was like a week of rehearsals, a little break, and then another week of rehearsals. So I was like, y'all going to cut me some slack, man. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to come for the first week. I had gigs. I had plenty of stuff I had to cancel. Sure. And it was actually like a three or four month tour. Oh, wow. So I didn't just go to India. Months, I yeah. literally had to like prepare my house to just be gone yeah. and stuff like that. So I was excited but also like terrified beyond belief luckily when i get super terrified i just like shut off and go forth and conquer (laughs) yeah Yeah. i like that i can't picture you scared for some reason no no like i just i'm like well we're doing this now aren't we yeah man (laughs) that's kind of how i have to operate on a daily basis is there like a language, uh, much of a language barrier between? Actually, you? not really, because that's you know, good, yeah. you know, uh, India was colonized. Yeah, that's right. For such a long time, it's mm. in their school systems. Everybody knows English. Their English is better than any Europeans. Wow. So, I like, know that. you know, maybe not in like all sectors of society, mm-hmm. uh, but generally, yeah, no issue. Cool. Um, a funny, a t- uh, funny story that the the tour manager always tells you. Like, the tour manager picked me up from the airport. And he, like, would, if he was here, he would bust out laughing and tell you this entire story about, like, the moment that he saw me come out of the doors and see him. Apparently, that I just looked so ecstatic and relieved that he, like, couldn't hold it together and laughed at me. Like, <laughs> like I just, I was so glad that somebody actually showed up to the airport to pick me up. Right. Yeah, because what do you do? You what can't would get I an do? Uber in you India. Don't do shit. Well, yeah. it turns out you can. Oh, okay. But I, I didn't know that. So, I digress. India's like, India's like India. <laughs> the coolest place to hang out. Like I recommend everybody go to India at some point in their life. Okay. It takes yeah. you a while to figure out how to do it, but once you figure it out, you can do it. 
You can totally do it. Is it yeah. like, what's the, is it beautiful? Just like the landscape? Like, it is like the most beautiful place and the ugliest place in the world. At the same time. All at once. Because that wow. caste system is still apparent there. Is it? Or, yeah. or is it not? They, it's yeah. Kinda, I, it's, it's got, I guess it's on its way out for the most part. Social issues, right? But yeah. the poverty is out of control. Mm. Okay. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. Um, I, apparently there's a few places in the world that are worse, but not much. Yeah. And uh, it's just like, you'll get an entirely new perspective on the life that we live here. Oh, yeah. Uh, versus what you wow. think is hard. Yeah. Oh, I can, I, you know, I can't, I, honestly, I can't imagine. But it's a cool thing about it, too, is that I got to know people just like us, like music producers, guitar players. Yeah. Li- in another country, like literally the diff- most different place in the world you could be. <laughs> yeah. Actually. That's like that's one of the things about it. It's like it's it's not similar like at all. There's just it's so different in yeah. every way. But I've like buddies that are guitar players and producers. Yeah, man. They always say music is that thing. one thing that keep, that just brings yeah. everyone together. And and I don't care where you are in the world, man. No, you know, totally. And it's 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 easy to like think as an American or as somebody who you know hasn't been to another country, any other country, uh, that you see, like, what's in the travel magazines. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you see National Geographic and travel and leisure, like, with any yeah. any country, like, any European country. You see, like, the pretty pictures. You see the ugly pictures. You don't see, like, somebody going to the grocery store, you know? Right. Just you the, know what I'm saying? There's nothing yeah, sexy about the that. average, no. like, normal day yeah, stuff. Like, yeah. these are normal people. Yeah. yeah. It's it's like the all of India is not a slum. The all of Italy is not a winery. Right. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. The all of America is not a cowboy hat. <laughs> <laughs> right. How do they perceive? But we're going to change. We're going to change that, sir. Yeah. yeah. Are we like hot dogs and baseball games and, you know, Chevy trucks? How, how are we viewed over there? Wild West. Wild West, huh? <laughs> Wild Wild West, like yeah. like Will Smith Wild Times West, Square. Is it, or like Tombstone Wild is, West. I think it's like Will Smith in Tombstone. Oh yeah, uh, Will Smith in Tombstone. Okay. Yeah. Oh wow, yeah. what that's good, what I think. I want to watch that movie. I, I, that's a great. I'm we gotta that, tweet him right now. There we go. Can we make that happen? Will Smith <laughs> as what? I guess he'd be the. Uh, he's more Doc Holliday than Wyatt Earp, right? <laughs> I don't. I don't know what I would see him in. Yeah, maybe maybe more Doc. He's definitely uh, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> I have a question for you. Steve. Okay. All right, electric Steve. violinist, acoustic violinist, fiddler, mandolin player, guitarist, and you are a great singer. Thank you. I love your voice. I really do. I didn't know that. Is, is there a certain instrument that you, I don't want to say like prefer, but like, what, I don't know, what would you, they're all laying out on a table. You get to pick one and just fucking rip up. What do you pick? I would pick my acoustic violin, my fiddle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it's me. Just something bad, huh? It is. It just is. I mean, I love my electric violin too, but that violin is. I'm never gonna let it go. It's where the soul lies, right? Yeah, it does. That's amazing. That's awesome. 
What's um so Arjit? You said he's kind of in his prime now. It kind of seems like you are too. Do you feel that way? Like you're on the on like the come up with I hope him? Not. <laughs> yeah, you hope not. It seems like you peaked years ago at four. Thanks, <laughs> no, no, I wouldn't what? say. I'm saying prime, not peak. Your prime could last for another twenty years. My prime. I'm I'm still up and coming, man. Yeah. Well, I'm what's doing the thing? Yeah, I'm you doing are a doing thing. a thing. What? what oh, tell us about this. New, you're doing a new thing, right? You're coming yeah. out with some singles and I stuff. I do. We're so I have my own. Reggies. I have my own music coming out soon, which is going to surprise a lot of people because I've it. spent like the majority of my career. No, sorry. Let me back up and say all of my career <laughs> playing the fiddle, yeah. and like that's been great, and I love it, and like that's been the thing, and it's me. But I've always wanted to have my own show and release my own music and write my own music. And um, I started singing. I was like, when I was a teenager, I was like super terrified to sing. Yeah. It was like not something that I did. I couldn't, I didn't have the, you know, personal fortitude to do it. And I grew those balls when I got to Nashville and was like, it's now or never, bitch. (laughs) We're going to do this. (laughs) So, uh, you know, I'm going to, I have that music coming out. It's like super fiddle heavy. It's like all, it's like fiddle, 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 fiddle everywhere. And then I, you know, I'm singing the songs that I wrote too. Nice. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. This awesome. is this is kind of your own thing. It here. is me. You uh, you, you got to be excited about. I'm it. I'm super excited about yeah, it because I've worked yeah. a really long time on like the embodiment of the message that I want to have and the sound that I the the message in the sound that really represents me. Yeah. I thought it was really important to not just do whatever and put it out because for so long people have seen me as a fiddle player or violinist, whatever rightly so so this is going to be a completely new introduction and you know you don't have that many shots right right absolutely right. not so you gotta go for it yeah just going for it and i i spent a lot of time making sure it was like creative creatively exactly what i wanted it to be that's, that's awesome. awesome yeah <laughs> jinxers so, so what is what what is that message then if you don't mind giving us a hint of it you'll have to you'll have to listen man. Okay. i will All can right. i can i get a trailer for it <laughs> well um, taste yeah i guess maybe maybe like the background of where the influence for it came from mm, well i don't know it's like i i it's like uh right the first thing i'm gonna put out is like a super super it's like country rock a country person would say this sounds like rock and a rock person says this sounds, this like, sounds country. like country okay yeah. gotcha yeah it's like that and like just fiddle all over it and strong woman message cool not man hating, not revenge, just just strength. Yeah, just sure. yeah. Personal strength, rock and roll. I love it, yeah, man. Little Empowering. Yeah, I dig that. Yeah, no, we're, no we're shit taking. We hang around. We yeah. we're brothers. We do, this, we do this all the time. No yeah. shit taking. Let me ask no you this, because like you said, you know, a country person would think it's more rock, a rock person would think it's country. Like you know, we all kind of grew up in a time where rock was a big. It, it was still a pretty much a big thing. Do you see the rock coming back? Like. And if it does, my personal opinion is I think country is pretty much uh, the closest thing I can get to like a really good rock show. Besides what's happening, like the the, the rock besides the recorded, now, yeah, besides the recorded, and the bands are still great. But to, I don't know, man. I like the Jason Aldean shit that I was hearing. Like his bands, that's a fucking rock band. It's a that's rock not, band. That's not a country band. Yeah, yeah, no way. yeah. No, I mean, like barring like the recent history in country, I think that that was. For, for live music and live concert touring, that was the way to go. I think that's why I liked it so much. Yeah. When I was like a teenager and like early twenties or whatever, because it was just like listening to a rock band that had like a fiddle a little bit. 
and yeah. and yeah. like thematically country lyrics. As far as like where is rock gonna go? I don't know. I love rock. I love yeah. hard rock. I don't know. I'm a little bit distressed and confused by like the music industry in the U.S. Like right now, I don't know. Like I don't, I don't think mean, you're alone. On I'm that. not alone. I know I'm not alone yeah. on that. But a cool thing about my experiences over the last two years is that going to India and going to all these other countries with with them, I'm my eyes are really open to the fact that there are so many people all over the world listening to so many different things. Yeah, it's really easy to get in our own bubble here. And be like, oh, what is like country radio like? What is like rock radio like? Is it still this? Is it still that? And like, who's at this place now? And who's doing this? And who's writing with who? And blah blah blah. It's like go to Japan. Oh yeah, <laughs> see what that's about. You <laughs> oh, know, yeah. I want to see what that's about. Like, yeah, get your head out of your ass. Mm-hmm. Totally. Actually, a lot of big rock bands go to Japan. Yeah, for play. sure. It's very much alive over there. Super alive. South America. I've never been to South America. Yeah. I mean, they say that South American rock fans are like Just the insane. most insane people on the planet. Yeah. I, I bet. I bet it's amazing yeah. to play there if you're the like a Rock and Rio show is one of the hugest like rock festivals. Yeah. It's just, and that's still going. That's been totally. going for a minute, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, I don't know exactly how to, I don't know what to say about that as far as yeah. fans in the US because. I feel a little. I also feel disconnected from like teenagers and like stuff. I don't totally. know what they're doing. Totally I don't get either. it. I don't get it. Um, I think that people who are fans of rock are still listening to classics right now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Right. My, my whole rock catalog is all recycled. Right. Yeah. There's nothing. Past. And if there's young kids that are into rock, I think they're listening to that too. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I think. And not you, to say that there's not rock, good rock bands out there. There are. No, totally. Yeah. I just... I think rock has been that type of... Nikki Six said this in an interview when, like, The Dirt, the movie came out. Kevin came over and watched it. We did a little whole, like, show about it, man. Because I was I super, feel like I was every, I feel like a lot of people I know had Dirt watch parties. Yeah, yeah Dirt totally. watch parties. Yeah. yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> it was a great movie, too. I mean, I, I, thought it was, I thought it was well done. I think there should be a sequel. Which really I think good. there's rumors about it, but Nikki Six said in an interview, he's like, you know, there's, they're like, well, why did it get so much attention? I mean, you know, you guys haven't came out with a record in a long time. You were big in the '80s. He's like, because rock and roll is the one type of music that just stays with you. Yeah. Like, and I think when yeah. people, you know, it had something to say. It still does. Like, it, not many genres can really cut into the vein like rock and roll no. can. You no. Know? Mm-mm. And from from every facet, not even not just like, for, it's like some it's like that musical aspect of it too. It really cuts into you. Maybe like okay, lyrically, a lot of Motley Crue's music is like oh yeah, leaves a little to be desired. Uh, yeah, totally. Lyrically. Yeah, don't yeah. get me started. Not exactly on, yeah. poetry. No, right. But musically, stylistically, all the yeah. whole package really really cuts people. Yeah, definitely. You know. Yeah, Absolutely. it's like you said with the violin too. It becomes a part of your identity. Yeah, um, in a way that's I think is stronger still than than a lot. I mean, country kind of has that, but not as much as rock and roll to really influence like your entire being from the ground up. The way you dress, the way you think, the attitude of it in general. Like, yeah, you just yeah, man. I think that's older, irreplaceable. I think older country does not no, older not nothing sure. that yeah, we yeah. have today yeah. does uh, nothing today does man i think that, Sorry, old, that I, I older feel... country was f- that was like some punk shit man oh yeah the old merle haggard stuff that's yeah badass, even some man. of that hank williams like yeah, yeah. Damn, shit was brutal it was brutal and they were living that shit the songwriting was real it mm-hmm. actually yeah. is pretty 
poetic. Yeah. Extremely. Some of you it, know, yeah. uh, the musicians, they were totally living it. I mean, that whole thing. Up until, like, I don't know, 90s kind of country. Like, the hat act kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I am a sucker for some of that 90s stuff. I am. Uh, you I know, really you had am. to be. Had to be. I totally am. But, uh, no, it, right. That old school stuff, man. That was some, like, that outlaw shit was yeah. just to the bone, man. Like, and I, honestly, I never got into it until I moved here because I never listened to country, uh, really. I listened to the 90s stuff, you know, yeah. I like the Shania's, the Rascals, you know, and yeah. Keith, I've always been a fan of Keith Urban. He's just badass to me. Yeah, I'm sorry. for sure. He is. Uh, he's awesome. Um, but man, when I moved here, like just getting into Johnny Cash and Merle and Hank, I was like, damn, like these, these motherfuckers were hard. Yeah, they were. Yeah. Once I moved here, I really got that though. I listened, yeah. you know, cruising around town, listening to all that stuff. I'm like, oh shit, it makes a lot more sense when you're here. Um, rather, I'm, yeah. I mean, I'm from Oregon. I'm from the Northwest. So it, it doesn't make sense up there, but it makes yeah. a lot more sense out here. So in Oregon, do you have like the influence of the Seattle rock scene? Seattle and California for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I sp- I spent a lot of time um, down in California because like my parents were split, so I would split time between uh, Southern California and Oregon. And um, so yeah, tons tons of stuff from Seattle scene, uh, Los Angeles punk scene, stuff like that. So the whole West Coast hip hop, all of that, um, which I really love. So yeah, it was completely different to come out to Nashville because I I didn't listen to country at all. I I still. Honestly, I own one country album to this day, but I I had never bought a country album when I was living out there at all. Not that I didn't like it, I just didn't get it. I was into all that other stuff. Right, right. Uh, but when I did get here, I just the floodgates opened up, so it was really cool to like be introduced to, to it for the first time in the place where it was born. You know, yeah, one of the that's awesome. Yeah. So we're at the part of the uh, of the Bobcast where we like to ask our guest. Um, this question. Now, this is the slogan of our company. Um, so we ask you to answer this just however it comes out of your heart or whatever is off the top of your head. Man, there's no right or wrong way to answer it. But what does bomb your boundaries mean to you? I think that bomb your boundaries means knowing that you're afraid to do something possibly and shutting that off and going for it anyways. The fear of like to me, the fear of looking back and feeling like I didn't try to do something a little bit is way worse. The of the fear of not reaching my potential that I was gifted with yeah. is way worse than flying to India and nobody picking me up from the airport. Absolutely. Like I can deal with it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I can deal it with it. Somehow. Yeah, I'll figure it out. And you have to just like. You know, whatever it takes for you to go ahead and do what it is that you need to do to get better at what you want to get better at, you've got to do it. I say to myself, I want to do something, so I have to. Yes. I have to do it. That's huge. Yeah. And and like, you know, like I don't want to sound like I just live every moment, every day, just like super pumped up. Like I get... I do get depressed about this stuff sometimes anxious and depressed and like, Oh my God, overwhelmed beyond belief. How am I going to manage this? How am I possibly going to pull this off? Well, I've got to, I've just got to figure something out. It might take longer than I planned it to be, but I've got to just do something, man. Absolutely. And really like, what are you like? What are your boundaries? 
what I've figured out in most of my time so far is that the absolute worst case scenario, let's be serious, the absolute worst case scenario of you doing something that you wanted to do and uh, it not working is really not as bad as you think it is. Right. It's really not that bad. It's never going to be as bad as turning around years later and saying, "No, shit, I wonder what it would have been like if I just would have done it. Right, exactly. That scares the shit out of me. Totally. Yeah. And like, I didn't, I don't know if I said it correctly, but like the worst case scenario, worst thing that could happen is really not that bad. You're not, I'm not, I'm not gonna end up like homeless and on drugs and lying on a street somewhere. No. That's not my worst case scenario. Absolutely not. My worst case scenario is that my pride gets bruised. I run out of all my money and I have to do a job that I don't want to do. Right. And if that's the worst thing that happens to me after all this, I'll be fine. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And the likelihood that it's that like the likelihood of it even being that worst case is pretty low anyways. Right. Because if you're going to be a bad bitch, you got to be a bad bitch. That's right. You own you it day in going. and day out. And just keep that <laughs> steam shit, train man. rolling, motherfucker. And be honest, like, that. are you even really thinking of that when you're when you're doing this? Like, when you're going in, you're thinking, like, well, if it didn't work out, I could always do this. Like, you no, really don't have those, no. like, plan Bs and none of that no, shit. No, I don't you have a plan B. Yeah, I just do it. Right. I just do it. I don't have a plan B. But there are moments where you're like, man, this is a big risk. Okay, what's the worst case? Okay, that's not actually that bad. Yeah. I think that a lot of people psych themselves out and they think they think about the worst case. Worst case. Uh they just think about the worst. Just literally the words, the worst. Yeah. They don't actually think about what is actually the worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah, you should be and, like, thinking about the end goal, not the worst case yeah, scenario. Yeah, totally. Like and like it's just not it's just never that bad. Does that help you kind of ease the anxiety or stuff? You literally play out like what the absolute worst case scenario would be. Like, yeah. do you ever write that out or like see it in your? I head? don't write it. I think that writing makes things happen. Totally. Yeah. 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 No, it does. <laughs> so well, I don't, I don't write know it if out. you have like a pro and con list, like best no. thing that could happen, worst thing that could happen. Obviously, this is better. Right. Kind of type deal. No, I, I write stuff out a lot. I I have made a habit over the last many years of writing down things that I want exactly. Beautiful. And oh, and yeah. keeping those for myself. Yeah. And describing scenarios to myself and how I, I don't always know how it's going to happen. I mean, one thing about me and a lot of other uh, people that I know that have been successful throughout times in their life is that I always eventually do what I say I'm going to do. It might be a little bit different than I thought it was going to be. It might take a really long time, but it happens. Yeah. I get to it. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, no, it's man. like slow and steady wins the race, right? It does. As long as that persistence is, is there, it's I haven't gonna, it's I haven't put this single out yet. It's because I slow and steady wins the race, man. I made sure it was perfect. Yep. Yeah. I, I don't want to stall myself by perfection, but like it wasn't the right time to put it out three years ago. Right. Yeah. It wasn't right. And I said I was going to do it. I'm going to do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That, that's kind of how the universe works, man. Yeah. Like eventually you, you get there, and it's probably in a way that you never even expected it to, totally. right? But the thing is, like what Kev said, man, with persistence and that belief and that knowing, yeah, like you'll get there. And and honoring the fact that you are gifted with something too. That's like having an obligation to to honor the fact that you're you're given a gift and you should do something useful you with give yourself. Give that gift back. Give it back. Yeah. Yeah. Be useful with your time. 
Absolutely. And yeah. and and your your time on earth, your time with people around you, with the public, with your family, honor the fact that you've got given been given the ability to do whatever it is your ability is, not necessarily creative or not. No, that is so huge. I love that you say that because it is an obligation and with obligation comes pushing through hard times and figuring out a way to make it happen. Just like you said, uh, regardless of if it takes a little bit longer or not, it is your obligation to to uh, develop the discipline and f- figure out uh, how to fill in the gaps between what you feel uh, you were created for and what that end vision is. And yeah, and it'll come about. I just yeah. like how pathetic I I was talented as a kid. I know it. I I mean, like, I was gifted. I wasn't, like, a prodigy or anything like that. But I think that what I... I, And by no means am I the best violinist in the world. I am, like, number 6,072nd best violinist in the world. Like, whatever. (laughs) But I think that what I do has the ability to touch people in some way. And so how pathetic would it be if I didn't do that? Right. Yeah, it's just a cop-out. I didn't do anything. Yeah, it's just weak. Just because I was like, oh, you know, like... Uh, what if? What if? Uh, I really just would rather like. Mm, I don't know. It's I'm like gonna too go work hard. at Macy's. It's hard. Just, yeah, it's hard. Yeah, right, dude. One of my favorite lines I comes know. from uh, that movie with Robert De Niro, A Bronx Tale. He said, "The worst thing in life is wasted talent." Yeah, you know, when you are given that gift, man, it's is your, it's your. You should have. You should own it. And you should feel that responsibility to do something with totally. it. Totally. Man, and totally. I like what you're saying about, like, you know, giving it back and, and, and doing it to connect with people. Yeah. I think, I mean, like, the the perspective that some people have on performance is, I think, like, really truly good performers probably have this, like, and it's it's not an, an issue, but, like, I know a lot of people who are, maybe haven't found that purpose in their performance. Like, there are people who are just, like, good at their instrument and do it because they have a job like maybe and i'm not saying that they're not good or whatever but having the right attitude about your performance really changes your connection with an audience like you were given basically a gift that you can transcend emotional levels in front of however many people are in front of you like that's insane and it opens people's minds in a way that they can't open themselves on a daily basis yeah. If they if that's not something that they were given or that they feel that they have access to or if, if they've found yet. I should put it that way because I think that right. more people can do it than 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 they own believe. Uh but you know, you have an obligation to do that and I think that you should treat every performance as if you've got somebody in the audience like it's their first performance, their first concert or their last concert. Yeah. You wow. know. It, it like why wouldn't I give it everything that I can? No, exactly. That would make me the biggest asshole. <laughs> right. Just because you're having a bad night and wanted to wear your t-shirt. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I totally get that. So what? So then what is your... I mean, I know this is a huge question, but it sounds like to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but your approach to performance is just like kind of transferring what you're feeling inside the gratitude for being given the gift to be... Uh, able to share your talents with like this whole crowd you're trying to transfer that feeling through your instrument to them in the audience is that kind of right kind of i mean i haven't exactly figured it out yeah you don't have <laughs> to put know. it in words it's i don't know thing. yeah i think that like the the thing about live music that touches people is the fact that they 
can't like a lot of people don't feel personally at liberty due to like whatever their their circumstances society whatever to like really free themselves and release into out of out of reality or whatever like that transcendence sort of thing that i've described a little bit yeah and they get to do it for a minute while they're watching you do it got it i think yeah because most people are really bogged down with responsibility or, you know, responsibility, uh, upholding social standards, like feeling, looking cool, acting yeah. normal, not being crazy. All of these things that you have to like throw out the window if you're about to give a good performance and just get in the moment. Like when's the last time, like people don't get in the moment. Right. Oh, Ever. Totally. Ever. That's not a thing that people, a lot of people unfortunately get to do or they haven't tried yet, I guess. Yeah. And that's that, so true. That's like, a, that's like the kind of transcendence that I'm talking about. Just being in the moment and creating something actively, like meditating, but creating at the same time. And the only time that some people get to do that is whenever they're watching you do it. Exactly. Exactly. And that's an important role. And if you're not act, if you're not really doing it, you're not really doing it. Yeah. No, totally. There, you can see that. There was uh, this. I was listening to this comedian, and you know, it was on the lines of this, where he was the funniest motherfucker in the room. Okay, like he, yeah. he, out of all the comics, he was the funniest. And he goes up there, and he just like, motherfucker is funny. Okay, way better jokes than everyone else. But everyone else got more love from the audience. And they asked him, well, why? They're like, well, why do you think that was? And all the other comedians said, because he thinks he's the fucking funniest person in the room. He mm. doesn't connect with his audience. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, like, what you're saying, like, when you're going up there and you're. <laughs> You're you're giving it your all. You're yeah. also giving you're giving it your all, but you're giving it to them, right? Right. That's so important. I, and yeah. a lot of performers. I mean, we see them all the time. They don't really do that. No. They're like, I'm I'm the shit, and here's my shit. You should dig my shit. No, this is not how it works. You should man. like this. You should like this. That's bullshit. You're welcome. You're yeah, welcome right? for me fucking being here. Are you kidding me? No. No. Like the act, actually, the act is being in the moment. I don't know how yeah. or what. Or why? I don't know what the long-term thing about this is, but I think that that's what you've got to do. Yeah. And that's just what I try to do. Yeah. Not only in a musical setting, but just in daily life. <laughs> My daily life is a musical setting. Call me. I'll call you yeah. when I have a couple of days off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. In daily life, too. Yeah. You're, I, I, was just, I was just messing with you. No, no, no. I'm with you. Giving people them the business. People aren't in moment. You got to, like... Yeah, you know, you gotta get in the moment. Uh, people avoid the moment. The moment can be frightening. Oh, the moment's scary. It really shit. is. It's people very vulnerable. Are, it's yeah, very, very much so. With in a world full of people trying to look cool and act normal and fuck. Yeah, yeah. Th- th- that's like really. That's a good point because when you're in the audience uh, and you watch somebody just going up there and just they're in the moment and they don't give a fuck about looking cool, they're just giving. You know, they're just giving you their soul. They're not looking over their shoulder saying, "You know, is this all right?" No, no, no. Yeah, no. That is so refreshing as an audience. Yeah, and as a listener, especially a fan of music, like that's what you want. Right. This guy, this guy's on stage. He don't give a fuck, and I'm feeling every single bit of that. 
Totally. And it's making me, f- you know, it's giving me energy. That's man. the it's way that you feel. That's the only way some people get to do way. it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you're like, have three jobs and six kids and you like, you have to go from one job to the next and yeah. you never, your bank account is just constantly the kids or the bills or the house or whatever it is. Like totally. a lot of people don't have a chance right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, to, it's very difficult. to like step back and just do the thing. Yeah. It's like oh, that's so true. responsibility. And then there's people who just avoid the moment, which is even, it's just like a tragedy of the world. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That is literally the best way to describe the job of a musician that, I think, I that think, I've heard. I, man, I don't know, but I think it must be. No, it's true. And, and no, it's innately, innately, like we all feel that as musicians, but uh, that's the, like the best way I've heard it articulated in a long time, which you is know, awesome. It's, it's like, there's a lot of people too that are just like perfectionists when it comes to, it's, you know, I want to be a great player. I wish I was the best violinist in the world. I wish I never made mistakes, but like, I think that this is more, far more important. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, because it's more impactful to a wider range of people. Most people so. don't know if, if you mess up a little bit, right. No. If it's glaringly obvious, that's one thing, but to be hyper perfectionist, that's why, I mean, that, that doesn't resonate as deeply no. as, as what we're talking about here. Yeah, it was just, um, I'm reading the Joe Perry book and he said something really good. He's like, man, overthinking things, you lose so much creativity when you overthink. And he battled with Steven Tyler a lot because Steven Tyler was a perfectionist and every note had to be right. And Joe Perry's like, we're losing, we're losing the soul, man. We're mm. losing the music. And so that's once, you know, Steven Tyler kind of, uh, I guess, opened up his ears to that. I mean, it was Joe Perry that drove that force because perfectionism, overthinking, you're not, I mean, yes, it's good when you're practicing and stuff, but I think when you're performing, you got to just lose yourself in it, man. Yeah. You really Mm. do. And the better you'll play better too. Totally. You know, no one ever said, man, look at that guy up there, man. Look at him thinking up there. No, No, he's fucking playing his life out. Right, right, right. And like, you know what? let's be honest there's a there's a a large amount of preparedness that goes into that too absolutely absolutely mine so you can let it go yeah so you can let it go mm-hmm. but yeah. the if you let it go more than likely you're gonna play great yeah and it's gonna have an impact if you don't if you can't let it go if something happens more than likely you're not gonna play great yeah <laughs> you know well you doing all those shows i mean the rehearsals are i mean I know, like you're totally prepared and stuff, but when you're up on stage in front of 40,000 motherfucking people, are you thinking when you're playing? You're just, or are you just going, you're going up there and you're in the moment? Man. Beyond. I was totally not prepared, actually. Like our rehearsals were like, oh. I was like totally, totally not prepared. Like for the first show that we did, we had those crazy rehearsals. Yeah. There's so many people in the band. It's like impossible to right. really corral the whole thing. It, it's now, now it's like a well-oiled machine. It's like fantastic we got to the point that we could, we were like a you know a machine, and we could like build on it and change and do better. But in the beginning, I was terrified, man. Yeah. But uh, there was there's there's been shows where I was like totally thinking about it, listening like oh god, I gotta do the thing, I gotta uh, I gotta do the thing right, I gotta do it right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And then there's shows where you're just like totally in it, and I just shut the thing off and yeah. be be the thing. And I'm that's not, I'm not, you... yeah, that's definitely, that's definitely when it totally rocks. Yeah. And I mean, there, there's like, this is a, this is a, a goal, right? This is like, 
the objective of what you're doing. You're not always going to meet it. Right. Like there's there's going there's going to be times where like you can't just let it all go and like transcend into another dimension like in front of 40,000 people. Like it's not going to happen sure, every time. Right. Yeah. But at least be like if that's like what you're going into it trying to do, if you're like attempting it in some fashion, it's going to help. You're going to get there most of the time. Sure, yeah, it's, it's the But guy. yeah, there was it's definitely the plenty of shows where I was like totally in my head and freaking out. And I, to, I, you know, I'll be honest, I feel terrible after those shows. Oh, there's I, nothing worse than a bad show. No, it's man. It's fucking the worst. It's yeah. horrible. And it, like, I'm not one of those people who's like, uh, you know, uh, whatever, like next time will be better. I feel bad for like days. Yeah. It really negatively affects my psyche. Yeah. I d- d- yeah, understandably. <sighs> man. Okay. We've all had those shows. Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it does. It affects you. It fuck oh God, does it fuck you up. <laughs> it really it does. It really does. And if you tell me that you haven't had one of those, you're just fucking lying. No. Yeah. Or you just don't care, so you should find something else to do, honestly. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. It's just a sign of I mean, I wish I had a little bit more control of like saying, Hey, you know, like you are gonna be able to do it better next time like it it's over it's fine i'm working on that part of me uh but like you know yeah it's 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 tough it's tough yeah no, i totally get it well so um i i want to we're unfortunately getting about that time uh, we could go for hours more on this uh i extended do want version to, uh, <laughs> i do um, extended cut I do have kind of a, a practical question for you because I think it is important. You know, we were talking about earlier. You have, you feel creatively like you have a gift to share, and you are obligated to to share that if you feel that pull within you. Now, if I'm someone who uh, has put a lot of time and effort into it, and I'm not getting to a certain level of success that I want with my career, be it music or anything else, um, can you give maybe like one your one piece of like? practical advice that you would give to someone who is thinking of getting out of their creative path completely to start something uh, safer, like whatever, be it a a day job of sorts and just kind of leaving it all out. Would you, can you kind of search and give some advice for like how to avoid that and look for opportunities to make your particular path work out be yeah. that networking be that reframing how you structure yourself as a business uh, just to give you some prompts anything like that yeah i think two things come to mind my first thing that I, that comes to mind is like i'm assuming that a lot of this is maybe about financial questions you know yeah, like for sure are you able are you able to live are you having trouble living mm-hmm. um with your with your living um I want to. I would like to say that getting a job and that's like not exactly what you want to do, and that is going to give you some more money to support yourself is not the end of the world. It doesn't mean that you have to quit everything else. I think that there's a lot of people that like let pride get in the way of that, and they think that, oh no, I couldn't possibly go do this or that. Oh, come on, what really are you really too good to do this or that and this? Right. You should be so lucky that you can do a job and help yourself pay for the shit that you want to do. Yes. You exactly. should be so lucky. You know. So I th- I think that if if there's a financial aspect to it, you've got to get creative in the way 
that you finance yourself, be it a job that maybe you don't want to do. And uh, sorry, tough luck. You have to do some jobs that you don't want to do sometimes. Right. Um, or invest in yourself in some other way. I've always got a couple of different projects going on. I, and I think that I'm going to get make this my point number two. Yeah. Um, number one, don't be afraid to go ahead and do something different and get another job paying for something. You don't have to stop doing the other pursuit, the creative pursuit. Maybe you'll have to like scale it back a few hours a week or whatever, but you can have a job and still do this at night for a while, stock up money, save money, Absolutely. just slow down the pace a little bit, put money away. And maybe like that'll give you a new perspective on what you're doing anyways. Yeah. You can look at it as it's funding your passion. Totally. I'm not saying to like, too many people just give it up. Like they'll they'll go to the job and like quit it up, quit and totally give it up. Yeah, I don't think you should do that. If you're not ready to do that, don't do that. And um, second point is, I think that people are a little too hard on themselves uh, when it comes to like the living and finances stuff because yeah. it appears as though everybody's only doing one thing. Well, guess what? Everybody's doing five things. Absolutely. You just don't know about the other four. Yeah. yeah. You know, Very I learned true. that like pretty early on. When I was living in New York, I knew some musicians who, when you get like personally involved with them as friends, you find out, oh shit, you have all these other projects. You're doing these crazy gigs. You're also investing in this company and like starting this side hustle and this and that. Yeah. There's like very few people that really only do one thing. Yeah. That's very true. That's very true. It's just here. Yeah. You know, so I bought, like, for example, I bought a house four years ago. I feel super grateful for the fact that I play the violin and I own a house and a car. Like, right. what? Yeah. Are you serious, What world are you living in? Yeah. Well, are you serious, bro? Like, that is, I feel really grateful for that, for, for my sure. life. Like, the four-year anniversary just, just came around the bend. So I was like, nice. wow. Congratulations. Damn, girl. But, yeah. you know, I bought the house. That's, I don't have a regular job. That's, like, my savings account. I sit in my savings account every night, right? Yep, yep. I have people that live with me that rent from me that will like sort of, you know, from time to time keep me afloat while yeah. things are slow. And uh, attached to it, I have an Airbnb. There's a, an apartment in the back of the house that I Airbnb out. Perfect. And I play like five other crazy weird gigs too. Yeah. Yeah. On top of the touring that I do. You've got to do a ton of stuff. Yeah. If you're doing one thing and it's not working for you, you just got to step back and realize that everybody's doing five things. Right. Right. Even the big guys, right? Totally. Yeah. They're invested in companies or real estate or, totally. have, uh, you know, a multi- yeah. multitude of different things. That's great. I, I And like, don't be afraid to, to step it up and do those multiple things. And just honestly, what it comes down to, what I hear in a nutshell there is just, is just work harder. Work harder. And like, yeah. that's yeah. My, like my third point of the whole thing is, yeah. okay, so you're going to tell me that you tried everything are you? Can you look me in the eye? Can you look yourself in the eye and say, I tried everything I could? They can't do it. No. I, no, I know they I don't can't think do so. it. I would bet that um, they can't do it. If you really have like lost your passion and you say, this is not worth the suffering that I'm doing anymore, I'm not loving it, I have a new interest in something that I really want to do instead. Yeah. If you're leaving something because you really want to do something else instead, that's different. Right. Oh, yeah. You That's know? being authentic. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I just don't... I'm not buying it. No. I'm no, not you buying shouldn't. it. That, that you really, really gave it everything that you could. Yeah. 
and it takes it just takes a long time totally and you know what's so funny is some people don't even know what their max effort is no like getting the i mean just you could use physical fitness for for an example like i remember the first time i had a trainer i was like dude i thought i was working out before the first time i like i don't have it anymore but like the first time i worked like a month with a trip with a trainer i was like shit that's what hard work feels like that's the <laughs> yeah. bar and yeah. i feel like that can be a metaphor for a lot of people's just normal work ethic too like you think oh man i just got done with my 40 hour week and now i gotta chill on the weekend it's like dude you have a lot more hours in the day that yeah, you, you do. are yeah. probably not even close to squeezing out um so just yeah i think finding that threshold of what actual hard what work you can is, actually do totally you know like just because you get the job you know what you Work on your thing at night. Exactly. Yeah. You can find the time to do it. Totally. You can definitely find the time to do it. I think we all can look around and be like, I don't know, when's the last time you really just like, like for a, two, like a day, maybe two days, when's you, like the last thing it just chilled and did nothing, like didn't, didn't do anything to either get better at something or uh, gain knowledge in something or to practice something or to do something time, to benefit yeah. yourself. It's been a fucking long time, It's been right? a long time, man. Yeah. yeah. It a has. Long time. Or you're on your way somewhere, you're on your way to somewhere. I mean, damn, it's it's like, and if I'm, if I am chill, I wish I could be a little bit more chill. You know, like I sometimes if I could just give myself a day off, I'm thinking about the fact that I gave myself a day off and I'm exactly. not doing anything. Yeah. Well, right. You know? Exactly. It's like, Dude, I know. Exactly. That guilt starts to set in. Totally. Like, All right. Uh, shit, I got to find something. To I do. saw this meme. Um, Let's go on cut some weeds. It was like, yeah. oh, I'm bitching about how, oh my God, I just need a week off. I need a, I need, I need a day off from work. I need a week off. And it's like two days into it, like total existential crisis. <laughs> just yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know? Absolutely. Funny. Totally. I'm, like That's me. Like, yeah. I, I wanted to be chill in July because like... I knew that I was going to be home in Nashville, like reconnecting with friends and stuff for like six weeks or something before I had to go again. And I felt, you know, relaxed for a couple of days. And now I just feel like the world's biggest loser. Like I got to play some more gigs. Like what <laughs> yeah, am I doing with exactly. my time? What am I doing with my life? <laughs> it feels uncomfortable to just yeah. be like sitting there and loafing. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I went. I went on a walk today because I like walks. I like walks because for creatively, they kind of like, like a walker. Me. I'm a definite big walker. <laughs> I like a uh, hiker. I like to say hiker because I go. I, I go love to, what I, Nashville thinks a hike is. It's like a stroll for the rest of the world. I know they have I'm a lot of hiking. I'm going hiking at Percy. Per- you went on a stroll. Okay, um, it's no. paved. We're on the it's fucking paved. duck pond. It's paved. Yeah. Okay. No, we're like Rander though, dude. I'm from Northeast Ohio. Man, we got some. We got some hills and stuff and some woods. Okay, don't hate. But no, I go to Radnor and they got some paths, man. They're not easy. No, they're but, not. But like, I go. That's my like chill time but you know what i do in my chill time is i put headphones on and i got songs that like i need lyrics to and i constantly just write in my head as i do my chill thing like I, yeah I you're never, not chill. I mean, I, you're i'm not chill. really chilling man i'm like i'm like i should just like turn it off and listen to the sounds of nature which probably would be nice but i'm like i'm you're working it's like you're working yeah. but it's it's better than just i guess sitting in here doing it it's like i'm out there getting you know just getting like recharged a little bit and right. i think better when i move totally I just i think better when i yeah, move man. me too it's like it, it comes in like fucking bullets man just creative ideas one after one i have to take yeah. out my phone and like do the like voice dictation because i'm like totally. i don't want to i don't want to lose this totally when five minutes before i started the walk in my house i was like I'm I'm just sitting there like on autopilot, nothing, and then like start moving, start getting out there, and it's just like it's a creative storm. So that's awesome. Yeah, and you know I I can't turn it off. 
Yeah. And I think that's a, a that's yeah. a creative thing with with a lot of with a lot of people who are in music or a creative industry. Totally. Or actually, you know what? I take that back. Self-employed, just entrepreneur. Yeah. You know yeah. what? You you don't really turn it off. So you either feel like you either one of two things. You feel like you're working all the time or you feel like you're never doing anything. Right. Yeah. You know, because you're like I like playing music. I like yeah. playing and practicing. It's like I feel like sometimes I'll like practice or guitar or whatever for like a couple hours in the morning and I'll if somebody asks me what'd you do today, I'll say, Nothing. I just dicked around. Exactly. No, yeah. I actually yeah. practiced my instrument for like two hours. Like that's actually a thing. Totally. But it's just right. like it feels like leisure time sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you either feel like you're just working nonstop because you can't get anything out of your mind or nothing. Yeah. We got to find even, a balance between that. Actually, it would probably yeah it'd be healthy. I I have a problem with 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 movies too because I love cinema. I love just mm. a great film. But my thing is is I start watching it, and how many times I bring out my phone and write down like a lyric because someone said it. like Tarantino movies dialogue is amazing. He, they say some great shit in there. There's so much like creative sh- like I, I just get a rush from it. That I'm always like writing down lines for oh this would be a cool title for a song. This would be cool. Ruins the movie. Like, am I really even watching the fucking movie? No, I'm working. It's crazy. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, your your original question is, like, what would you tell those people? And, yes. like, the threshold of, like, hard work, like, I just don't, I don't think people go for it. Yeah. You really got to go. You got to do gotta it. bomb those boundaries. No, yeah, it's very true. It. The more I look at my, uh, like, my own experience in the past and, like, looking around at others that are... Um, you know, maybe in that similar position, it's the tough love answer. It's like, you're, you're really, I wasn't working hard enough at the time. I, I learned how to and hit that threshold. And now I keep trying to raise that threshold higher and higher. Um, but I would, if I could go back to myself in that scenario, I'd say, dude, honestly, you're just not working hard yeah, enough. I don't work hard enough. And I let's know honestly it. evaluate yeah. that. I mean, I don't, I know I don't, I work, I work hard, but I don't work hard enough. I've got more in me. Yeah. Yeah. I think we all do. Oh, totally. You know? No one's ever, mm. we're not satisfied with no. like, oh man, no, we really did it today. No, fuck, we probably could have done more. Yeah, totally. was, I, I honestly, even for me, I can't remember the last time I had a day where I was like, literally, I can't get out of this chair. I have nothing left. I yeah. can't remember a day yeah. that it's been like that. Like emotionally or, or like, um, like uh, cognitively, I can like barely say another word. I can't even take another step. It's like, I just... Yeah, I'm not saying you have to take it to that extreme, obviously. But if we're we're saying the maxed out level of like what one day could uh, totally potentially turn into, you know. But your question was, what Mm -hmm. would you tell somebody who's about to give it all up? Yes, and go do something that they don't want to do in exchange for it. And like what you just said is, what do you really have to give? Have you given it? Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think you have. No, that's totally true. Or maybe be smarter about what. Like, I'm I'm all for working smart too. Yeah. Yes. Maybe plan it, a yes. different attack to it. Plan a different attack. I'm not saying just work yourself into the ground, but like maybe it's a it's also not a bad thing to sometimes look at what you're doing and saying this isn't working for me. Right. I need to like yeah. redo this part of it or rethink the way I frame this. No, yeah. reframe it right yeah. yeah no i totally agree with that and also but don't quit 
Definitely not. No. I think, and, and especially, especially don't quit if you can't honestly say that you've been giving your art everything you have. Because if you haven't been giving that everything you have, this thing that you claim that you love uh, and want to make your life's work, if you're not giving 100% to that, it, you're not going to give it to an insurance job or oh, an no. IT job. Right. So it's not going to get better if you quit it and go to this day job. No. In fact, you're going to be like double fucked because now yeah. you're doing double something fucked. you're hate. Double fucked. And left, double like, fucked. Double the pleasure. Double, double, double the games. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's very true. Not to ruin a serious comment there, but yeah, so. No, it's true. It's totally true. Well, that is a perfect stopping point. Wow. So you want to wrap us up? <gasps> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Well, thank you again to our Dun-dun. guests, Cassandra. So this was a great. This was a great one, man. This was fantastic. I, f- yeah. I think people are going to find a lot of inspiration oh and definitely gosh. some motivation in this. Man. I hope so. Thank you so much for coming on. Why else? Why else is us. there? Why yeah. would you do it? Why Seriously. Else? Seriously. Um, I hope so. Your insights, your stories, like everything, like you've inspired me tonight. This is awesome. So yeah. it's just cool, like getting your perspective and like hearing what you've uh, been able to do and like all the adventures you've gone on. It's super cool. So really appreciate you giving up your time tonight. And, no, you know, I'm happy to be with, here with everybody. Thank else, you. So. For the yeah. great. We could do this all night, man. We Dude, really totally. could. I'm, I actually like, really want to kick y'all out so I can play the guitar till my fingers bleed because I feel <laughs> I'm feeling really pumped. <laughs> oh man. man! So where where can people find you online? Where do they need to like sign up for an email list to be notified cool. about your stuff? What's so I that? have an email list, and I totally will not spam you. In fact, I think I've spent one, I've sent like one email in the last six years. So nice. <laughs> I will not spam you. But if you go to CassandraSotos.com, which I'm sure will be linked somewhere around here, yes, um, you can sign. Sign up for the email list. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, all the usual suspects, all that stuff. I also have a YouTube that has like 200 subscribers on it. So if you hear Ooh, this, yeah. I have like great social media presence like everywhere else, but like four people watch my YouTube videos. <laughs> so if you're listening to this, please go to my YouTube and subscribe to it. Yeah, show yes. some love. Show some love. Bump those numbers I need to bump bit. that number up. It's like really pathetic. I can't like send anybody a YouTube link because it has like three views and my mom and oh my was God. like two of them my cat was the other one it's like really bad yep <laughs> <That's> <laughs> <My cat. hilarious. laughs> all right so definitely be sure to do that guys um if you found value out of today's bomb cast like i know you did uh please head over to itunes leave us that nice ass five star review because we live for that and uh love to see those also um give us a uh you know do the rate and review over there it helps the um show get seen more on the rankings i don't know why it works that way but it does so uh please do that if you got a chance otherwise um you know share this with a friend if you think they get some value out of it um tag us up on the gram, whatever you got to do. Um, also, head over to bombersandsleeves.com. Make sure you're on our email list for new notifications for badass podcasts like this uh, when they're coming out so you don't miss anything. Um, and that is it for today's episode. So thank you guys so much as always. Steve? Bomb your boundaries, baby. Peace. Peace.